Yesterday we had mentioned that of the names of Surah Al-Fatiha is of course Al-Fatiha which means the opening and the beginning and Allah Azza wa Jal called it the Fatiha because he began the Quran with this Surah. We also mention of the names of Al-Fatiha is Umm Al-Kitab and Umm Al-Quran, which is the gist of the Quran and the gist of the book. And we said of the names of Al-Fatiha is As-Sab' Al-Mathani, or the seven verses that are repeated all the time. We said that there are other names as well, and of the names that the Surah has been called by some of the Sahaba and Tabi'un, it has been called Surah Al-Hamd, the Surah of Praising Allah. It has been called Surah Al-Salah, the Surah of the Salah, because no Salah is accepted without the Fatiha. And because in one hadith, we're going to come to this hadith later on, Allah Himself calls this Surah Salah. The hadith goes as follows, that the Allah Azza wa Jal says, hadith is hadith Qudsi, I have divided the Salah between myself and my servant half and half. So half is for me and half is for my servant. And the half that is his, he shall get it. And then the hadith goes on that when he says, Alhamdulillah, I say this. When he says, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, I say that. Until finally the hadith finishes. So the beginning of the hadith says what? I have divided the salah half and half. And then the hadith explains Surah Al-Fatiha. So from this, some of the uh, early scholars said of the names of Al-Fatiha is Surah Al-Salah. It is as if this is the essence of salah. The surah has also been called Surah Al-Shifa. The surah of healing. Because there's a hadith that Abu Sa'id al-Khudri narrated in Sahih al-Bukhari that once a group of Sahaba were going in the desert and they passed by a village. And this village was not a Muslim village. And the, the, uh, the, from the village, a young girl comes out and says, do you have somebody that cures diseases in your gathering? And somebody stood up and we didn't think he was a doctor. We didn't think he was somebody who cures diseases. The Arabic word used is ruqya and ruqya is spiritual healing. Do you have any raq? Do you have anybody who does ruqya? Somebody stood up and we didn't think he was somebody who cures. And he said, I can help. So we took him to the chieftain and the chieftain was sick in bed. And he came back and lo and behold, the chieftain was cured, was healed. So we asked this sahabi, what did you do? Were you a doctor? Did you learn how to do ruqya or yani, spiritual healing? And the Sahabi said, no, I'm not a doctor. All I did was recite Fatiha al-Kitab. All I did was recite the Quran Fatiha. And I kept on reciting until mashallah, he became cured. And so from this, some of the scholars have called Al-Fatiha Surah Al-Shifa. Because it is a surah that uh, cures. Others have called it Surah Al-Waqiyah. Not waqi'ah with an ayn, waqi'ah with a ya. And waqi'ah means the protection. And I have called it Surah Al-Kafiyah, the one that is sufficient, and so on and so forth. Now this leads us to an interesting question, and that is, where did these names come from? Who gets to name the surahs? And in fact, even before we ask this question, there's an even more fundamental question. Who divided the Quran up into surahs and ayat? And this is especially re relevant for Surah Al-Fatiha as we will see insha'Allah ta'ala. And we're not going to go into a lot of detail but we need to know some basics before we get to the Fatiha. The Quran has been divided into surahs by Allah Himself. 
And Allah references in the Quran surahs. For example, Allah says, Suratun anzalnaha. We have revealed a surah. And Allah says, Wa anzalna surah, when a surah, wa unzilat surah, when a surah comes down. So Allah references the concept of surah. And by unanimous consensus of all the scholars of Islam of our time, that the surahs of the Quran have been told to us by the Prophet Muhammad himself. So by unanimous consensus, 114 surahs in the Quran. And by the way, the word surah comes from the same Arabic root as means a fortification or the wall around the city. So in, in the Arabs call the walls around the city, they call it the sur or the, 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 the fortification of the city. So it is as if every surah has been fortified. It is as if every surah has been demarcated. You know what is in the surah, you know what is out of the surah. Just like the walls of the city, you know what is inside, you know what is outside. Where do the names come from? The names actually it might surprise you to know that the bulk of the names of the surahs of the Quran do not come from the hadith literature. Rather, the Prophet only told us some names. Barely a dozen or two, that's it. The rest of the surah names were allocated by the Sahaba and their students. So the names of the surahs of the Quran, some of them, our Prophet gave some names too. And we gave some examples that even those he named, sometimes he gave multiple names. So in the hadith we find Surah Al-Fatiha, Surah Umm Al-Quran, Surah Umm Al-Kitab. And he said, this surah is Sab Al-Mathani. So he himself named the same surah with multiple names. But the fact of the matter is that most surahs of the Quran were not named by our Prophet Rather, the companions named them and their students after them. So we find even those surahs that the Prophet might have named, the Sahaba had no problems adding more names. Because the purpose of a name is a label. Just to signify, this is the surah. So they realized the label is not necessarily from Allah. That they could give a label to the surah. So they said, this is Surah Al-Shafi, Surah, uh, surah Al-Hamd, Surah Al-Salah. All of these are the names of the surahs from the Sahaba. And similarly, we find multiple names for almost every surah. And that is why to this day, my dear brothers and sisters, for those of you who are paying attention to the various Qur'ans, if you find a Qur'an printed, let's say, in uh, the... Uh, Middle East, and you compare it, the table of contents, with a Quran printed in, let's say, India or Pakistan, you will actually find over a dozen names, or a little bit less than a dozen names of the surahs are in fact different from one another. Right? Surah Al-Insan is Surah, surah Al-Dahr. Right? What other examples that anybody has quickly? Surah Al-Masad is... I need the... Uh, surah Al-Lahab, yeah. So we have uh, Surah Noon is Surah Qalam. Right? Surah Tabarak, Surah Mulk, right? Surah Hamim Sajda, Surah Mu'min. You have all of these different uh, variations. And where do these variations come from? They go back to the Sahaba themselves. Therefore, the names of the surahs have been allocated primarily by the companions of the Prophet. As for the ayat, as for the verses, now this is where. It gets a little bit interesting and I need you to pay attention because later on we're going to come back to this fact here. The ayat, yes Allah mentions the Quran is divided into ayat. 
Allah Azza wa Jal specifically says, for example, وَإِذَا بَدَّلْنَا آيَةً مَكَانَ آيَةً When we abrogate an ayah, when we lift an ayah up. So Allah mentions there's something called an ayah. And what does ayah mean? Ayah means a marker, an indication, a mu'jizah, a miracle. Ayah is a marker or an indication or a miracle. As if every verse is an indication that this book is from Allah. Every verse is a miracle that nobody can replicate. So every verse in the Quran is a sign that this book is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah calls it ayat. So Allah mentions surah, Allah mentions ayah. Allah azza wa jal divided the Quran into surahs and even the Quran is divided into ayat. But here is where it gets a little bit deep here and that is the Prophet Muhammad did not sit down, as we know, and write the Qur'an and put a full stop at the end of every ayah. We know that the Qur'an was dictated to the Sahaba and the Sahaba wrote down the Qur'an. So, the ayat were not clearly indicated. Rather, it was left to the Sahaba once again to figure out where one verse ended and the other began. What does this mean? This means that the number of verses of some surahs are different in the recitations of the Qur'an. Now this might sound strange to some of you, but let me assure you, we're not talking about different ayat that don't exist. We're talking about one ayah split into two in some recitations. We know from last year, we talked about this, many years we talked about this, the Qur'an has many recitations. There's ten recitations that are well known uh, in our times in the world, and they are, if you go to uh, North Africa, for example, they're reciting the Qur'an slightly differently. If you go to certain areas as well, they recite the Qur'an slightly differently, different intonations, different tajweed rules, very minor, minutiae. But of the differences is that there are differences in the number of verses as well. So for example, Surah Baqarah is how many verses? Two? Two fifty-six, guys, seriously. Two fifty-six. Two sorry, two two eighty-six. No, what are you? Two eighty-six, yes, okay, not two fifty. Two eighty-six. Two eighty-six. Now. 286 is according to the Qira'ah that we recite, which is, everybody should know the Qira'ah we recite. Hafs, from Kufa, the city of Kufa. In the city of Basra, they had another recitation, Abu Amr al-Basri. And that recitation has 285 verses. What does this mean? Is there a missing verse? No. Two ayat are merged into one. Clear? The, there is no extra verse anyway. Alhamdulillah, the Quran has been preserved. Right? No problem there. But every Qira'ah has a slightly different enumeration uh, uh, system. Now, why do I say this? Because there is one very big controversy that we're going to have to talk about with Surah Al-Fatiha. We're going to come to it. But this is the prelude. We're laying the foundations. And that is, there is only one verse that is really controversial. Is it an ayah of the Quran or not? And that is the very first verse of the very first surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen Ar Rahman Rahim to the end of the surah. This Bismillah, is it an ayah or not? This is the only difference of opinion in the whole recitations of the Quran where there's an actual ikhtilaf of a verse. Is it a separate verse at the beginning of Fatiha? Or is it not a separate verse? 
And this is an ishtihad from the Sahaba that some of them said it is, some of them said it is not. And we're going to come to that when we come to it. But I just wanted to point out uh, that issue uh, before we get to the uh, before we get to the particular issue of the uh, ayat of the Quran. Uh, for the next brief uh, five minutes, inshallah ta'ala, before we conclude today's khatira, isti'adha, a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan rajim this is something that we recite before we recite not just the Fatiha but any recitation of the Quran. And even though it's not linked to the Fatiha, because it is the beginning of the Quran, it is useful and essential that we understand what is the isti'adha. Allah says in the Quran in Surah An-Nahl verse 98 that when you recite the Quran, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنِ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Then seek refuge in Allah from Shaytan al-Rajim. And also in Surah Al-A'raf, verse 200, Allah says that whenever shaitan whispers to you something, then فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ Seek refuge in Allah, He is a Sami Al-Alim. So what does this isti'adha, what does it mean? The word a'adha, a'in alif dhal, the word a'adha means to turn to somebody for protection, to seek help, to tell somebody that you're in danger and you cannot defend yourself, and you need another entity more powerful than you to help you spiritually, not to help you physically. You don't say the word adha for physical help. What is physical help? Dialing 911 or calling out somebody, help me, I'm being attacked. In Arabic, you would not say isti'adha or adahu. This is a spiritual help, i.e. you turn to a god. You turn to a divine power. Physical help, you say, help me, najda, whatever you say, whatever the phrase might be. Isti'adha, you turn to an entity that is all-powerful. And therefore, isti'adha is an act of worship. Turning to an entity in this manner is only done to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you say, A'udhu billah, you are saying, I have no power to protect myself. I need to turn to the all-powerful. I am incapable, I turn to the capable. I am weak, I turn to the qawi, the aziz. Ya Allah, I seek your help. Against what? Against shaitan al-rajim. What is shaitan? What is al-rajim? Shaitan comes from the Arabic shatana. And shatana means that which is far removed. So shaitan is the being that is far removed from Allah's mercy, from Allah's rahmah, from righteousness, from piety. Shaitan is far removed from the straight path. So shaitan is a generic term that applies to any being, ins or jinn, that is removed from the path of Allah. Shaitan is not one being. That is Iblis. Iblis is the head shaitan. Iblis is the leader of the shayateen. But shaitan is a generic term that applies to every entity, human or jinn. Or am I saying there are human shayateen? Yes, I am saying this because Allah says so. Shayateen al-insi wal-jinn. In the Quran, the shayateen of the ins and jinn. And the hadith in Muslim Imam Ahmad that the Prophet told the Sahabi about shayateen al-insi wal-jinn. The Sahabi said, even the ins have shayateen. And the Prophet said, yes, even the ins have shayateen. Even the men have shayateen. Those men that are preventing you from worshipping Allah. Those men that are calling you to worship other than Allah. Those are shayateen al-ins. And they're also shayateen al-jinn. So we seek refuge in Allah from shaytan. Shaytan, who is what? Rajim. Rajim is an adjective. It's describing shaitan. 
Rajim is an adjective describing the shaitan. And Rajim comes from Rajama, and Rajama means to pelt with stones. So even when we... Uh, the stoning issue is called Rajm. You know, Rajm al-Jamarat, even you, you can say it. You're stoning it, right? So the Rajama is to cast aside, to pelt with stones. So Ar-Rajim is the one who has been cast aside, pelted by Allah to go away. And in fact, both the word Shaytan and the word Rajim have a similar meaning to them. Shaytan, the one who's far away. Rajim, the one who has been cast out. So Shaytan, by his nature, is far away. And Shaytan, by his nature, is Rajim. Sorry, Shaytan, by his nature, is far away. And Shaytan, by his actions, excuse me, I want to say, is Rajim. I repeat. By his nature, Shaytan is far away, the meaning of Shaytan. And by his actions, he is Rajim. He has been thrown, uh, pelted with stones. People don't want him. Allah has cast him and flung him away. So by his nature, he's Shaytan. And by his actions, he is Rajim. So we seek refuge in Allah from the Shaytan, Ar-Rajim. And therefore, when we begin reciting the Quran, we cleanse our heart, we purify our intention. We indicate to Allah, Oh Allah, I am helpless, I am weak, I am turning to you for help and protection. And how do we say the, uh, the isti'adha? The hadith have a number of uh, ways to do so, and I only mention three. The most common one, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaytan Ar-Rajim. And the second most common, and the Prophet would regularly say this, especially in the Salah, as reported in uh, Abu Dawood and others, that a Sahabi said, I heard the Prophet when he stood up to pray, he said, A'udhu Billahi min shaytanir rajim min hamzihi wa nafkhihi wa nafthihi. From his whisperings and from his proddings and from his blowings. A'udhu Billahi min shaytanir rajim min hamzihi wa nafkhihi wa nafthihi. This is another variation. And then there is a third variation that sometimes as well our Prophet said, and that is by adding a Sami' al-Alim. A'udhu billahi Sami' al-Alimi min ash-shaytan rajim Or we can say, A'udhu billahi Sami' al-Alim. Of course, Sami' al-Alim means the one who hears, the one who sees. A'udhu billahi Sami' al-Alimi min ash-shaytan rajimi min hamzihi wa nafkhihi wa nafthihi. This is the longest version, and our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would sometimes say this as well. So to conclude, what is the purpose of the isti'adha? Why do we say a'udhu billah? First and foremost, to purify our tongue from the filth of speech that we have said before we recite the Qur'an. This is like the wudu is to our salah. Our tongue is going to recite the book of Allah. We need to get rid of the filth. So we say a'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajim. Then also, we do this because we want to seek protection from shaytan corrupting our understanding of the Qur'an. We say a'udhu billah to indicate to Allah, Oh Allah, I want guidance from this book. I want this book to help me to the Sirat al-Mustaqim. I don't want to be dis, uh, deluded away from, the, from this path. We say, A'udhu Billah, to show Allah that I am weak and you are powerful. We say, A'udhu Billah, to indicate to Allah and in front of Allah that, Oh Allah, no harm can come to me except if you have decreed it. Because you can protect me from shaitan. So if you protect me, O oh Allah, then no other being can harm me. And... 
We say this lastly so that whenever we, we recite the Quran in a lecture, in a speech, we always say, Allah says in the Quran, then we say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan then we quote the verse because we never, or we try not to, it's adab, it's proper respect. We don't mix the speech of men with the speech of Allah. We give it an indicator that the speech of men is coming to an end. Then we say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. We are putting a clear marker. This is the speech of men on one side. This is the speech of Allah. So we give the introduction so that we make ta'zeem or we respect the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And inshallah tomorrow we will continue on the isti'adha and move on as well to the basmala. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. أخبر الأيام أنها في وصال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال